1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from Santa Barbara. Bay Area counties are in the midst of an increase in COVID cases. How long will it last? Well, experts say it depends. KQD's Vanessa Rancaño has more.
2: Four Bay Area counties entered the CDC's yellow tier last week. San Francisco, San Mateo, Santa Clara, and Marin counties are now considered medium transmission risk areas. Matt Willis is the public health officer for Marin County, which is facing its third largest surge in cases since the beginning of the pandemic.
1: We're just at the beginning of this, so we're probably looking at, you know, a good few weeks of ongoing risk.
2: He recommends masking indoors, especially if you're high risk, and asking your doctor about antiviral treatment if you test positive.
0: If all things go well, this may blow off by the end of May, June, and we'll have a decent summer and a good end of spring.
2: Peter Chin Hong is an infectious disease specialist at UCSF. He says some Omicron variants brewing in South Africa could derail things.
0: It may mean that we'll have a protracted and prolonged number of cases. I hope not.
2: Long term, he says we need a new vaccine booster that better protects against newer variants. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancagno.
1: Meanwhile, in Fresno County, after weeks of decline, there's been an increase in new COVID-19 cases there. New cases have nearly doubled over the last two weeks. Dr. Race Vora is Fresno County's health officer. The variants just keep getting better at spreading. And so we may be seeing uh, more contagious variants that are driving some of this uptick as well. Probably not not time, not appropriate to sound an alarm that we're going into a surge, but it's something that obviously our epi team, our data team, monitor very closely. Fresno County is also closely monitoring a sharp rise in people checking into hospitals with flu-like symptoms. Those numbers increased five-fold in March and April, and the flu seems to be especially impacting young people under the age of 17. Later this week, Governor Gavin Newsom will issue what's called a May revise, updating the governor's budget proposal for the coming fiscal year. Financial justice advocates in the state hope part of that proposal will include the elimination of court fees, known as civil assessments. These are penalties that courts impose when traffic tickets and other citations aren't paid on time. And like other government-mandated late fees and penalties, they often hit low-income Black and Latino Californians the hardest. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the story.
3: Lorena Vias is a single mother of four who lives in the Silicon Valley town of East Palo Alto. Last year, she got a ticket for driving with an expired vehicle registration. That's what the state calls a fix-it ticket. If you take care of the problem you've been cited for right away and have the police or the DMV or a court clerk sign off, that ticket will cost you $25. But that's not what happened in Vias' case. She paid to register her car, but didn't finish the sign-off process. Not long after, she got pulled over again for the same issue. I told the cop, I'm like, look, I paid it. I just
4: haven't lifted the suspension on the vehicle because I don't have time right now.
3: Vias says it can be really hard to keep up with these follow-up measures when you are balancing family and work obligations, especially as a single mom. For example, she says, she didn't get to court to show proof she'd corrected the registration issue because the hearings were set for weekday mornings.
4: 8.30 in the morning. At that time, I have to drop off one of my my kids at one school. I drop off another one of my kids at a different school, and then I come to work.
3: On top of the logistical challenges, she's also living paycheck to paycheck, she says.
4: You know, I'm sorry, but it's either... Pay my bills or pay registration. Pay babysitter or, I mean, pay the
0: registration.
3: Brandon Green directs the Racial and Economic Justice Program at the ACLU of Northern California.
0: If someone is to get one of those violations and they fail to pay, then that individual can also have a penalty levied on top of that. That penalty is called a civil assessment. Under the law, a civil assessment can be levied between 0 and $300 per incident.
3: Vias says she's currently got around $1,000 worth of civil assessment-related debt. And it's worth noting that, unlike funding from a lot of other traffic penalties, a chunk of civil assessment collections goes straight back to funding the county courts.
0: So there's a financial interest in issuing it at $300 every single time.
3: Green and other advocates are pushing for the abolition of the civil assessment for a number of reasons. Racial equity is one.
0: Almost everybody's breaking some sort of traffic laws when they get behind the wheel. But because police have the discretion of who to pull over, um, it generally results in black and brown people being pulled over more and then having more uh, traffic tickets, um, which then results in more uh, risk of the debt accompanying the traffic ticket.
3: And advocates say these debts are exacerbated by racial wealth gaps and that civil assessments are just plain ineffective at getting people to pay. Governor Newsom's current budget proposal would cut the maximum civil assessment from $300 to $150. But advocates hope the upcoming May revise will go much further. And Brandon Green says he's optimistic. Because of what seems like a growing awareness around equity gaps happening statewide.
0: The reparations task force, things like the Racial Justice Act, all of these things that sort of centralize the racial justice discussion and the over-policing and targeting discussion and getting rid of these fines and fees are things that are in line with that. The Judicial Council
3: of California sets policy for the state's courts. It said in a recent letter to advocates that it recognizes civil assessments have a disparate impact on low-income residents, and that it's committed to working with the governor and legislature to move away from assessments as a funding source. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harbin.
1: The nation's largest student-run powwow was held in person at Stanford University over the weekend. The first time that's happened since the pandemic hit. As KQED's Annalise Finney reports, the theme was intergenerational resilience.
5: Mahon Walsh is sitting at a long line of boots outside the powwow arena, and he's speaking in Bizaad, the Navajo language.
0: The elders are our culture. Our cultural libraries and you know, a lot of our, our language speakers were lost during the pandemic.
5: Native Americans have faced higher death rates from COVID-19 than any other racial group. Over the last two years, a lot of powwows, like most cultural events, were canceled. Some tribes found other ways to connect. Grace Carter is a sophomore at Stanford and co-chair of the powwow.
3: So I'm Cherokee, the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma, and they started doing these video series where you would go online and then they just talk about kind of like a State of the Union address of like what's going on in Cherokee Nation.
5: She says she was proud of her community's ability to adapt, but she missed powwows and the chance to come together and share cultural traditions like language, dance, and food. Here, fresh fry bread sizzles in pans of cooking oil served up with maple sugar and strawberries, or taco style with bison meat. Just across the stand of eucalyptus trees, dancers in full regalia perform in the arena, dust rising around their feet.
3: I always think is so amazing about the Native American community is that everyone treats each other like family. And so when you come out, it really is just like a celebration, it's like a huge family gathering.
5: It's so fun. And even with the stress of running an event like this, Carter says it's all worth it. For the California Report, I'm Annalise Finney in Palo Alto.
1: And that is the California Report for today, Monday, May 9th, for a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from Santa Barbara. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation. Committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.